Hello, everybody, and welcome to Scott's Movie Pod until I think of a better name, which I may never do. We are here to talk about movies that we love, why we love them, not to shit on them. We just want to talk about the movies that uh, make us happy and why they make us happy. I've never watched a movie that was so terrible or so bad, even the worst movie of all time, where there wasn't at least one redeemable moment. And that's the things I like to talk about in movies. What makes them good? Why was that moment interesting? Or what makes it worth a watch? Today on our show, we have a good friend, actress, writer, director, Katie Oliver, here to discuss a movie near and dear to both of our hearts. What movie are we discussing today, Katie? Batman Returns. Batman Returns, a classic. <laughs> a movie which I realized this morning is almost 30 years old. Yeah. <laughs> uh, directed by Mr. Tim Burton, starring Michael Keaton, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, Danny DeVito, and uh, Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken. I was like, I just, I, I just watched it. I know he's on the tip of my tongue, and I love this guy, but Christopher Walken. It's honestly, it's it's hard to remember Christopher Walken because he's got this like amazing like white hair. Oh yeah. And he's just, and he's got like eyeshadow. I mean, he's just, it's so like dramatic. It's very dramatic. Christopher Walken is not afraid to do a dramatic look or be really weird on camera almost ever. And this is no exception. No exception. We have, uh, oh, I'm looking at the, the cast list now. Michael Keaton, Danny DeVito, Michelle Pfeiffer, Christopher Walken, Michael Guff, who's played Alfred in all the first four Batman movies. And then uh, the notable Pat Hingle, Commissioner Gordon, also the same Commissioner Gordon in pretty much all those same movies, the first four. Wild stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. What did you feel or think about this movie the first time you watched it? Cool. That's tough. That's hard. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to give away how long ago I first watched it. But I think we could all, it's safe to say we all watched it at least for the first time, probably by the time we were seven. I would say so. I would say that's a safe bet. Safe bet. Maybe. I think so. Maybe 10. Who knows? Depending on how old you were when it came out, of course. But, um. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> well, I, let me think. If I can, what? Oh. Um, I, well, I'm sure, what stood out to me, I'm sure, it was Catwoman, obviously. I was a young girl. She was beautiful, and she Cat was a woman's badass. a show stealer. Can I, yep. can I say that? Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. There's, there's okay. no filter here. <laughs> oh, love it. Okay, good, because she was. Oh, my God, she was a badass. There was nothing bad about an amazing woman transforming into this just absolute vixen villain. Killing it, killing it. Physicality, beauty, oh, timing. I mean, she just, she was amazing. Michelle Pfeiffer crushes that role. Every time I watch it, I'm like, yeah, she's just good. She's, she's so good. I had, I definitely had a huge Catwoman, my Michelle Pfeiffer crush, like, growing up. And it didn't just, like, end there. It just kept going. Like, uh, she had that movie Wolf she did with Jack Nicholson, where he becomes a freaking werewolf. And I was like, yeah, she's great in this. She's great in everything. I love her. And that's, like, it's, it's just as old. I think that came out in, I want to say, 94 or 95. Oh, wow. Yep, yep. Jack Nicholson, James Spader, and Michelle Pfeiffer, if I'm not mistaken. That sounds like amazing film. All it's, of those. It's very interesting. <laughs> very Is in it interesting? <laughs> I haven't seen it in a long time, so it could be way worse than I remember. <laughs> well, with in those fairness. three actors, given it's those three, it was nothing short of entertainment, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. It, it's definitely say. entertainment value. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I... Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer is just, 
she's iconic. She's she's done so much stuff, and everything she does is great. So like, gotta gotta talk about Michelle Pfeiffer in this movie, no matter what. And that's I'm gonna circle back to her just because that's gonna be one of the next questions coming up, mm-hmm. talking about performances. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> So uh, initial thoughts on it are, for me, were just like, I remember seeing it super young and just being blown away. Like the first Batman movie blew me away as a kid. It's all these characters that I've been used to. And then you got the Batman animated series that came out, like because of the show, which Mm -hmm. gets you more hooked. Mm -hmm. And uh, Batman Returns pops out like right around the same time the animated series is getting its hype and speed. And uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, I lost it. I was, I was all about it. Christmas time. It's a Christmas movie, no matter what anybody wants to say about it. It's, uh, it's just too much fun. It's too much fun. Dude, that's my, that's my biggest thing. And it's funny how many people I tell this to. I'm like, you know, it's a Christmas movie. Like, if you can, if Die Hard is considered a Christmas movie, pfft, yep. Batman Returns blows <laughs> it out of the water. Look, I timed it last night, okay? In the first minute, the first minute, it opens snowing. Mm-hmm. And we pan over when the parents are in the mansion to a Christmas tree and little Oswald Cobblepot locked in a cage next to the yep. fire. This is in the first minute of this film. It's clearly Christmas. And the whole film takes place the week of Christmas. It has to do with the tree lighting ceremony. It's Penguin uses gifts as his yep. way of like surprising everybody with all of his crazy characters. And everything's about Christmas. It all has to do with him being a child and being thrown to the water on Christmas. Yep. It's <laughs> all a giant... is on Christmas. <laughs> exactly. One giant catharsis story about like <laughs> fixing the issues your parents gave you. <laughs> <laughs> so that's definitely a fun way to look at this movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, honestly, that kind of extends to most of the characters in the movie. Yes. There's <laughs> right. Yep. I mean even, even Michelle Pfeiffer. Story. Like, uh, Selena Kyle's got those, like, several messages on her answering machine from her mom. And then right before Max's uh, voicemail, though, because I was, I was watching it again last night, too, because uh, that's what I do. You got to watch it right before you yeah. talk about it. Keep oh, it yeah. fresh. Um, some of the layering that they did with, with, with that was, was smart. It was really well done. And, yeah, talking about it right now, it's all kind of about your, your, your issues. These people mm-hmm. are, like, handling their issues. I have so many things to say. <laughs> I know. So do I. I do too. I love it. I mean, of course, and I did the research. So one important fact, I think, um, that I found out last night, and um, as soon as I found this out, I went to this guy's Instagram and friended him. The guy who wrote it yeah. wrote a cult classic called Heathers. Oh, shit. Yeah. I did not Heidi realize King. that. Yeah, Tim Burton hired him. His name is Daniel something. I can't remember on the top of my head right now. But Daniel, Daniel Waters. Yes, yeah, Waters. Like John Waters, but not related. Right. And he wrote Heathers. And so what he did is he took the angst of teenagers based on their, you know, experiences from their childhood and their parents, and he moved that over into Batman. Nice. So That's yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I'm looking here. I just pulled up Daniel Waters, and Daniel Waters has written some, like, as far as the 90s are concerned, some bangers. <laughs> I know. Heathers. Oh, Hudson Hawk. I love Hudson Hawk. It's so wacky. Batman I know, Returns. I mean, Demolition Man. I, I thought he... I know. I love Demolition Man. Oh, Dude, it's the so shells. Good. The shells. Hell no yeah. No one ever gets to know about the shells. 
the three seashells how the fuck do they work and why three like i just why three always mm-mm. we'll have to talk about demolition man one of these times yeah yeah <laughs> but anyway yeah, yeah you were saying daniel waters teenage yeah. angst batman returns yeah i like uh-huh. it i like it and there was like a, so many rewrites apparently like so many rewrites in fact there was a version that had robin involved in it know about that i know about that yeah did you see who they cast they were originally supposed to cast um if i'm not mistaken it was going to be marlon wayans was their, yeah. their pick for for robin and then that right. got changed he even did yep. like suit uh costume or yeah screen tests in the yeah costume. they had an action figure already made for him yep, they had the whole scan and they rewrote the whole thing insane and that would have been awesome and then it's interesting that it ends up going to like the whitest guy ever oh man chris <laughs> o'donnell yeah that's uh but i mean you know he does his job well he does his job well. but i i totally would have loved to have seen marlon wayans as uh as robin that would have been such an interesting take yeah can you imagine that would have been so cool but My there buddy, wasn't really uh, any need for robin if that's you true in, in batman returns it's another thing i think is interesting about it probably another reason why i love it so much but it's actually not batman's movie it's mm-hmm. penguin and catwoman's movie <laughs> He's hardly he's, like, he's reactionary comparatively to like their both of their stories, really. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, he's he's just he's there and he's there for them to have to have a a nemesis, but all of it is about those two evolving and transitioning and whatever. I think um, sequels are hard to do. We all know that, mm-hmm. and doing a sequel that arguably is as good, if not better, than the than the first movie, the mm-hmm. and then also successfully building more of the world and on those characters again very hard to do and people actually like be into it or or stick with it and i thought especially rewatching it last night you're right this isn't really batman's movie but it doesn't need to be and it works because it's built up around these characters that are like having these ridiculous experiences and we're in gotham city so it's just all like everything's about to pop off because of it i love that it, yeah. It's a successful film that stands as a, as a sequel on its own. Well, actually, funny you should say that. Um, the irony of it is it was actually Michael Keaton who requested he would only join this, this movie if it was not a sequel, a traditional sequel. He said only if it stands alone. And so the irony of it being him that had that request, but yep. then the movie doesn't really end up being much about him. <laughs> But, but then he also chose apparently to have limited lines. He was cutting his lines constantly. I, I love that. I, I read that as like a factoid thing a while back and uh, it just made sense. I was like, yeah, I mean, you're Batman. How much talking do you need to do? Bruce Wayne, sure. Keep, give Bruce Wayne a few more lines, but Batman doesn't need to talk that much. A hundred percent. And you know what? I actually, it's funny because again, I've watched this movie so many times. I It's one of those movies when I watch it, I'm like, uh, quoting it but um what i thought was interesting is that i never really paid as much attention to batman in that movie as i did last night and um him as bruce wayne in that movie he's an asshole in like the best way the way he deals with max when max is talking you know they're having their meeting and he's just like sitting in that chair and he's basically like yeah i'm gonna fight you on it so 
I know what you're doing. I was talking about, because I the first one was that we recorded was Batman versus Superman. So I've had like another Batman conversation. And oh. one of the things that came up is like the different actors doing their different versions of Bruce and Batman. Who, who was better? Who was not? And I always thought, yeah, I thought Michael Keaton crushed it. Like he's, he's a great Batman. He's not like the millionaire playboy, perfect 10 out of 10, like, oh, this guy's hot as fuck. No, but he's, he's playing the part of like this businessman who's got all this money, who's supposed to be kind of a dick because he doesn't want anybody to know how uh, he's Batman. Um, and watching him take that to like a second level in this movie was fun as hell. He does it in Batman, the first one, and it's like, mm-hmm. it kind of slips by you a little bit. But mm-hmm. in this movie, it's very upfront. That's so true. The first one, he, there's a lot of moments in the first one where he's, maybe because it's so new for him, I think, but he's just kind of wide-eyed a lot, like taking mm-hmm. it in. This world is crazy. You're right, but By yeah. the second one, he's very established in having that duality, and it's like he amps up both of them. Yep. Like Batman gets really silent and deliberate and then Bruce gets really like extroverted and nasty and like it's just it's pretty but you know what though let's think about all the Batman actors um we've had and uh in and including um Adam West. Um Michael Keaton I think is hands down the most talented actor out of all of them. Oh, he's great. Yeah, His he's, range he's is, so good. blows them all out of the water. There, no, I mean, Val Kilmer's amazing, don't get me wrong. But, but Michael Keaton has the ability, which I feel like we're kind of, in a ways, maybe losing it or maybe it's coming back again. But he had the ability to be grounded in comedy. He could, same with Michelle Pfeiffer and Danny mm-hmm. DeVito, having this campiness, but having a grounded character at the same time is an art form. Yes what they were able to do with their characters, especially for the time this movie got made, mm-hmm. is kind of remarkable, really. Like, they weren't doing so much superhero stuff. We're so inundated with superhero stuff these days. It's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That's normal. Every time you yeah. hear about a new actor that joins the franchise, you're like, oh, all right, cool. Yeah, sure. But you don't really know what that's going to be like, and you don't, you don't really, you're not really as invested. With these, I feel like... And part of that is definitely, definitely Tim Burton and his aesthetic and the way he like handles his material. Yeah. But yeah, they just, um, they committed so hard to their characters. Danny DeVito was like a nutter when he was playing the Penguin. I've read so much stuff about how weird he was on set. This is similar to reading about, not on the same level, obviously, but it's very similar to reading about, like, Jim Carrey on the Andy Kaufman movie. Yeah. He just, like, lost his mind. Yeah. Like, Whoa, okay. <laughs> I agree. I mean, they, that's, like, getting, I don't know, I think, I think everything that you just said, it's the combination of, it's, of course, the actors, because the, the talent was unbelievable, and then also the director, um, and then the writing, of course, all of that together made this like I mean you don't even even if you're a Batman geek and and maybe you feel like slighted in some way because it didn't go the way you think a Batman movie should go if you take that away from it and you just allow it to be what it is it's fucking awesome yeah it's a fucking it's a film noir superhero movie yep (laughs) it's so fun it's so cool we need more of them (laughs) we need so many more of them and come back to us Tim Burton we miss you yeah I, no I know, like, people makes. have complained, yeah, Batman just gets darker and grittier every iteration. I'm like, well, we talked about this in, in the other pod, too, but I was like, yeah, but so has the world. 
yeah. Batman, the Batman movies have been pretty good at reflecting what's going on in society as far as how serious our, our issues are and how terrible the outside world is being. So I feel yeah. like it only makes sense if things keep getting like dark and crazy outside in the world, then uh, yeah, so will probably any iteration of those movies. Oh yeah, because Batman Case in is point. Like the dark superhero. Exactly, yeah. yeah. He's always been like, and even we got the 60s Batman, but that made sense for the time period it came out. It was, yes. everything was a lot more like loose and campy and silly and they didn't really get too serious about things. So. And he was just there to save the day. He was, but he was very masculine, but very like, you know, uh, comfortable with his physicality and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure, yeah. it was that time period. But that's what I was happy about. I think even as a kid, because I grew up watching the Superman, sh or Superman, excuse me, the Batman series. Yeah, I don't know if yeah. you did. It was in, it was in, uh, what's it called? When it, it was being shown on TV, you know, like uh, oh, syndication. Yeah. They had it on, uh, I'm almost 100% sure, Nick at Night and also yes. some, somewhere else. They had it somewhere yes. else too. It was Nick at Night though. It was yeah. Nick at Night, I believe, yeah. And it was so, when we were younger, we were young, you know, lucky enough to kind of have that stuff on TV still. So I grew up watching that also. And I felt like, uh, when I saw Batman, with Batman Returns specifically, you can very see that clear connection to that campy 60s series. Oh, yeah. And in fact, did you see that, um, that the original, the original actor that was going to play Penguin's dad was the original Penguin? Oh, shit. I did not Burgess see that. Meredith. Yes. What? He was signed on to play Penguin's <sighs> father. And then what happened, unfortunately, his health took a turn for the worse and he wasn't able to come on and then Paul Rubens replaced him. Right. Huey from, you know, other, Tim Burton's other film, right? Big Adventure. But yeah, originally it was supposed to be Burgess Meredith. How cool would that have been? That would have been pretty amazing to see, actually. Oh, that would have been good. Yeah. I think the closest thing that I, to that experience is because of Paul Rubens. Um, <laughs> they did the show Gotham. It's, I think it's over now. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say it was necessarily a good show. It, it was mm -hmm. fun sometimes. But mm -hmm. they did that in the show is they had their Penguin character in the show and they brought Paul Rubens in to be like that character's estranged dad. And I was like, that's awesome. That, that's uh. fun. I didn't, I, I did start watching it and then I liked it for a while. And then I started feeling like, it, I felt like they were trying to bring in way too many characters at once as yeah. young kids and trying yeah. to tie that in. And I was like, it's too much going on right now. And I kind of backed off. That's cool. I didn't know that. I'll check that out. It gets, uh, some of that, some of that series is a little hard to reconcile. Um, I have, a controversial opinion. I love Jada Pinkett Smith in most things. I do not like her in that show. I think she is miscast in that show. I, I do. You know, I, now that you're saying that, I remember watching it. I agree. I felt like it was maybe a little too forced from her. I'm sure, I know that at some point Jada had that grit, but she's lost it. She's been too famous and too rich for too long to play that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She, uh, she, like, yeah. It's like, it's like anything. She, she had some great moments. She had some great scenes, but, uh, yeah. yeah, for sure. Anyway. Back to Batman Returns. Yes. So we've gotten through initial thoughts. We, we've already talked about like what liked, what we liked and what, what worked for us. That's like our next segue question. Uh, mm. So what moments stuck with you the most and why? Oh, what that's easy. So easy. And, and, and I actually want to redo this whole scene. I've, I've even written up like a mock scene that was not about 
it wasn't, a, it was actually about more about the quarantine situation, but I was using, I wanted to use like all the movement of this scene oh, okay. and it's Catwoman's um, transformation when she comes home after she's been uh, thrown so out good. the window by Max, gets home and, and she goes through her breakdown and then comes out of it as like the Catwoman. Yep. And every single moment in that scene is like mind blowing. She's so amazing. She's she great. does this. It's like pieces out of like Psycho and pieces out of like all these like old Batman. Every it's just all this like weird campy like blocking and movement. Yeah, yeah. But she's like really in it. I don't know. Every time I watch that scene, I get so excited. She's like just, manic and deliberate. Everything she does, like moment to moment. There's only one. I'm not here to critique it because it's amazing. And there's, there's like one moment I was watching it last night when she goes to the fridge to get the milk. That it was one of those things where like I, I've seen the scene a million times, but you notice little things obviously a little bit differently when you watch it. And so mm -hmm. she goes to the fridge to get the milk and she's like visibly, her whole body is shuddering on her way to the fridge, which is not really a detail that I paid too close attention to mm -hmm. she like gets to the fridge she's like shaking the whole time she opens the fridge she gets the milk out she is like not stopped doing this the whole time which is especially like you know as an actor you're imitating like a tremble or a shake because of like nerves you gotta mm -hmm. either get yourself really nervous or you just gotta be hyper aware of what you're doing with your body the entire time mm -hmm. and that's like okay that's that's difficult and that's really hard to do so my hat's off to you Mm -hmm. Michelle Pfeiffer, crushing everything that you do in that scene. Really? Uh, and then the, the moment she flips, the moment that she goes from being this like broken person that's losing her mind, and then she just picks up the jacket and she's like, <sighs> like feverishly oh, yeah. licking her like lips crazily with these scissors and just. <sighs> <laughs> like... <laughs> I love it so much. Uh, I love it like the turn is it's again it's like just well executed just having the voicemails be the trigger kind of thing she she hears her mom she hears like a couple other things she hears business things then she hears max she loses her freaking mind just starts breaking shit I'm like yeah that's great that's a, that's that's a good way to show like a, a mental breakdown after like a serious serious assault you know yeah so that's like that's intense and that was well done i love when she smashes the the o and the t like oh, going down the hallway there. And you're not quite sure. You like you pick it up, but it's not till the, that end shot, and you're like, "Hell here!" It, oh, I all love right. That, I love that he waited until the reveal of full Catwoman to show that. I'm so. Whenever I watch it, I always think how like that's so cool. You have really no. You kind of know what she's doing, and you're like, okay, but you don't get to see it. Yeah. I love that. Cause I, you know, watching it again, she's like throwing shit out of the closet and she like goes in the closet and digs out this whole leather thing. And I love the idea that Selena Kyle like saw this somewhere and bought it and never wore it. She was like, one day, one day I'll wear this. Right? Yeah. One, you know what? This actually just made me think of something. This because there's, you know, of course there's a complete feminist undertone to yes. Selena Kyle's life and Catwoman, obviously. Um, and uh, it's before she uh, gets thrown out the window, and she's got her voicemails and it's the guy she's been dating apparently, right? And he's like, yep. my therapist says I need to be like on my own and not just an appendage. <laughs> and then she says, I guess I shouldn't have let him win at racquetball. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it was so, 
it, there, it was so funny. And when that voicemail comes on when she's transforming um, and the woman's like, you can please your boss and wear the whatever perfume or something. Yeah. And she's just like, ah! I'll show you. No, yeah. I'll kill them all. <laughs> Shoving the stuffed animals down the garbage disposal. <laughs> That's probably one of my favorite moments, actually. That's the part that reminds me of Psycho. Psycho, he lifts the knife. And then, you know, it's like this very dramatic hold, ah, and then stab. She does that with the stuffed animals. It's great. All the cotton And then somehow she everywhere. fits all of those stuffed animals in the garbage disposal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Creative license. How big is that garbage disposal? What, what kind of shit is uh, Gotham City, like, throwing down the drain here? I mean, kids, I guess, but uh, <laughs> this, is, this is something else. <laughs> oh, man. I remember seeing like the stuffed animal scene as a kid and it was like shocking as a child. You're like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you ruining all these toys? It's like, oh, she's so and mad. And the doll, the dollhouse part, that's an interesting thing too. When I was watching it last night, I'm like, even every time I watched it, but the fact that this like grown woman still has her little dollhouse yes. is so strange. And, and she just takes her spray paint and she just sprays the room that's decorated in pink in mm -hmm. the dollhouse. It's just the one room and then she just smashes it. Yeah. So like, who yeah. has a dollhouse? <laughs> How many people have dollhouses still? I, I'm so curious. I don't know. Actually, now I don't know I, if I want to know. <laughs> maybe if, if you see someone wearing a pink sweatshirt with kittens on it, because that's what she had in her closet. Oh, God, you're right. We could make the she connection. Did. She did. She Ooh. spray painted it. Shit. That's mm. true. I forgot mm. about that. Mm. I own a pink sweatshirt with kitties on it, by the way. Good to know. Good to know. I'll keep that. I, <laughs> I don't. But now I might buy one. Now you might buy one? <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, well, more moments that stuck with us and why if we have them. Uh, I would, when, when she gets thrown out the window, that's intense. Mm. I remember that every time just because of like the way they shot it with her hitting every single awning on the way down. And the moment it reminded, before. Uh, yeah, just- the Dialogue before. Super like, intimidating. Christopher Walken is just like intimidating her. She's getting scared. You can't bully, you can bully me. You're not gonna kill me. And he's like, you know, threatens her, and then he thinks, and then he's like, no, I'm kidding. Yeah. He fell for it. Ha ha. And she's yeah. like, ha ha. And then he goes, whoosh. Boom. Out the window. I love that. Yeah. And then well, just through the, the, like a Felix the cat looking head. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's so weird. The moment that they played in there, like they, I thought they played it up really well, is that exact moment where she's like, you're not going to kill me. It almost is like in that moment, he's like, yeah, I am. <laughs> Yes! I am gonna kill you, actually. It's like, oh, thanks for the idea. It was so good. That, 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 that exchange was, like, so fucking good. It was, it really, it even, like, if you watch it for the first time or you watch it for, like, the 20th time, every single time, it's like, oh. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. You can feel the tension building. You know this isn't gonna end well. Mm -mm. Christopher Walken, man, he can play that menacing thing really well. Oh, yeah. It, the fact that he hasn't gotten, like, He's had some pretty cool roles over his lifetime, but I feel like he needs a really hardcore bad guy villain role. That's that'll be like the most ridiculous thing he's ever done before he he's like done acting. <laughs> I'd love to see that. I would that love. So Do you remember that scene in Joe Dirt when he's yes! in the hallway and he's looking 
wrong tone you do it again i'll stab you in the face with a soldering iron <laughs> he's i love him so much like i do a really bad christopher walken impression but that's like what i always go to is the soldering <laughs> iron because it's so funny yeah. to me. <laughs> you're talking to my guy all wrong you do it oh, again well. i'm gonna stab you in the face with the soldering iron. <laughs> Does so your mother so <laughs> get out of so that get out of so that <laughs> it's like the same reason I, I love uh uh wedding crashers not a good movie like in retrospect but i saw that movie so many times because christopher walken was hilarious i thought he was so funny everything he says in that movie is ridiculous his son's like screaming at the the water in the ocean he's like yes yes todd that's good son <laughs> tell that mean ocean <laughs> I'm honestly, I'm going to have to rewatch it because I don't even remember that. And I think I've only seen it maybe once. That's probably why. But I'm yeah. very homework yeah. on the list. It's very, eh, it, that's the thing is like, it's wedding crash. So you go like, yeah, this is a, this is a male centric comedy for sure. And uh, they're, they're tricking women the whole time. So it's not a great film. <laughs> yeah. It's not well, great. It's weird. When it came, I remember when it came out and I thought it was funny, you know, but definitely now when I watch certain films from certain time periods, and now I'm like, oh, man, I used to think that was funny. Yeah. Now I'm like, uh, <laughs> okay. It's interesting to see how different things, like, do or don't hold up when you go back and watch again. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of stuff that just, like, like, oh, boy, this only lives in this time period. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. 100%. <laughs> but that's what I think is really cool about Batman Returns, too, is that, um, or also, not to, is that uh, it has a very ambiguous time frame. There's, yep. it's, it, it's clearly takes, it has that film noir element to it, but there's also answering machines, you know, and there's like, so there's like all these, it's kind of mm -hmm. like a pastiche of like influences that Tim Burton puts together, which he always does. And he has that creative license again to do. Yeah. And I love that. I love the ambiguity of it. It's, it doesn't, it doesn't exist in real life. It's in a time that doesn't exist. Exactly. It's in a world that really doesn't exist, which yeah. sell all of it. It just makes it that much more fun to dive into and get lost in. I was going to note, actually, I was thinking about this earlier because thinking about like the way directors will homage different things and uh, nod to different filmmakers or different actors. And I was wondering as I rewatched, and this was sparked by something you posted that I saw the other day. I was like, I wonder if her falling through all the awnings was like a Buster Keaton homage. I was super I curious you about it that. Is. It probably is. And the more I thought about it, I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Taking like something, again, which would work, all these different actors who are, were well known for comedy doing something very serious. Taking the same yes. like stunt and making it instead of funny, very serious. And, but who's, who's the best that ever lived that did that? It was Buster Keaton. Mm -hmm. He was the like the, the the what was it the the crying clown or the sad clown or whatever yeah uh, he was amazing at that yeah so that's kind of cool just thinking about like if that was sort of a direct influence I'm curious if we could find that out that'd be really cool. I think you're spot on right I because I, I feel there's so many moments in the film that you uh and for any but any kind of cinephiles out there especially yeah. the cinephiles that are really into the types of films that Tim Burton would have been into. Um, yeah, you'll notice, I think there's a lot of little moments in there that are definitely homages to lots of people that influenced him. Oh, yeah. I, it's mm -hmm. always fun to see, especially if you can pick up on it and you can see mm -hmm. like a director's influences, you know, because we all are influenced by certain people or movies that we've seen. So it's always cool to watch how much that influence plays into the work itself. Oh, yeah. I yeah. love that. 
it's one of the things I actually really love about Tarantino as well. We got some Tarantinos to talk about is like coming up. Uh, that's we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> another day, another day, darling. Another day. Another day. Now we move on to personal highlights, specifically on performance, set pieces, story, costumes. Ooh. There's a lot. There's a lot. This so, one highlight for me in performance. We've talked about some of those performances already. Michelle Pfeiffer crushes it. Danny DeVito. They're all amazing. Really, they're all pretty damn amazing. Um, Christopher Walken is uh, gonna get just a little, a little more, a little more praise at the moment, just mm-hmm. because I think, and I could be wrong. I gotta like check around his uh, his movie timeline, but I feel like when this came out, because not just the white hair, you know, but I feel like it's very different from some of the stuff he was doing at the time the movie came out. So I don't know. I could be wrong. I just feel like it's I don't a, even it's a know strong. What he was doing. A strong walk-in performance, I feel like. I'm like oh, going yeah. to his IMDb now so I can see what he did right around the same time. Because I'm uh, so... God, he's done so many movies. So many. I mean, he's been around since forever. He has. You he's know, got 138 he on the movies. He Wood guys. That's, That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not yeah. saying nothing because, you know, who am I to say nothing? But... You know, it's, you he know, is yeah. the only witness on the boat, and he says that she disappeared to smoke a cigarette and never came back. I don't mm. know, Christopher Walken. I don't know. I don't not know. Sure. Not sure if you. Not sure if I. Well, you know what? Hey, he's got a very successful career. <laughs> he sure does. You know what? It might. It might have been like more of a, a bigger turn for him because I'm looking at some of the stuff he has. And there's a lot of stuff before Batman, uh, Batman Returns, but I don't know most of it. So I'm wondering if this was like one of the, the bigger movies he did at the time to like help push him forward some more. Because then after that, he's got some other movies that came in that were popular. Like mm-hmm. right after Batman Returns, we get uh, True Romance, 93 the next mm-hmm. year, he's in that. Mm-hmm. Wayne's World mm-hmm. 2, Pulp Fiction. God, mm-hmm. I forgot he was in that too. Me too, actually. I always forget that. The Watch, that's right. He's Bruce Willis's dad. Wow. Uh, wow, yeah, you're right. Must have been really, like, a lot of stuff. It's like a jump start for him, or like, maybe a springboard, but yeah. Maybe it was I like mean, it a, was so well cast. a career revitalization. Trying. Yeah. Uh, you know, actually, speaking of cast, you know that how there was the people, the women that were actually considered before Michelle Pfeiffer, which, I mean, it could not have been anybody but her, obviously. Yeah. But Meryl Streep was one. And check this out. The reason that she didn't, you know what? She didn't get it because Tim Burton said she was too old. Yeah. But I I, I was like, okay, I'm a little bothered by that. And then I watched it and I thought, well, you know what? Selena does really need to look very innocent and young. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if Michelle Pfeiffer looks as young as they wanted her to, because I feel like she, but I don't know. It doesn't matter. It works perfect. And Annette Bening also. And Sean Young. Oh, who was supposed to play Vicky Vale in Batman, and she got That's a broken right. collarbone, and so she felt that this role was owed to her, and she <clears> got a made her own Catwoman suit and walked into the producer's office, and they were like, mm, "No, bye." I had no idea that happened. That's <laughs> nuts. Yeah, isn't that crazy? What? <laughs> I know. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
that's interesting because I mean, Sean Young had a pretty solid career going at the time and she hasn't done a ton since. So I wonder if that would have changed things for her. Well, I know that um, what I do know about Sean Young, I think is uh, she, uh, she's had, I guess, uh, the tendency to have emotional outbursts or aggressive Ew. outbursts. Yeah. Well, but she's a very strong woman. And I think for the time period, especially being a woman that's that opinionated and strong was just still not very like, yeah, she, she wasn't interested in like changing, I guess who she was, but it ended up falling on bad favor. That's, that's, that's really shitty. Honestly, like we all obviously are aware of the problems with this industry that have been mm -hmm. going on for a long time. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's gotta be part of it, obviously. And that mm -hmm. sucks. That, that does suck. Damn. Yeah, it's pretty frustrating. Yeah. Sean Young, it man, is, but it's changing. Yeah. Yeah. Now I think she nuts. would have been amazing too. Although I'm still happy it's Michelle Pfeiffer. 100%. Yes. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. I think they needed somebody who could like pull forward the youthful vibe and seem kind of more innocent. Cause Selena Kyle comes off to me like, I don't know. She, I think she knows. She's like a person who maybe has not quite fully broken out of her, her bubble of like, her childhood upbringing, her sort of like structures that she's been forced to adhere to her whole life. And if it's a person who seems to have that much contact with their mom, everybody's different with their mom. But if your mom's leaving you multiple voicemails a day, you probably got an overbearing relationship that's going to need some examination. It's going to mess you up a little bit. So yeah. Mm -hmm. I noticed something last night, actually, that I thought was very interesting too. connecting that um, when she's before Catwoman happens. It's when she first meets Batman. Mm -hmm. um, after all the circus performers happen, you know, and Batman ends up like killing one of them. Uh, she takes his taser yeah. and she looks at it. And instead of just walking away, like, Ooh, I have a taser. She actually uses it on him and yep. she like stabs his body with it. In that little moment right there, she's, it's like the first time she's, you can see there's some, there's stuff she's stuffing down. There's some mm -hmm. anger in there. Yeah. And that, honestly, like with the mom thing, I think that the psychology of all, all the pink and the dollhouse and everything, like, yeah, she's, she's been treated like a, a little girl her whole life. And now mm. she's like breaking out and fucking up everything. <laughs> Selena, it's your mother. That <laughs> would drive anybody insane. <laughs> Seriously. And if you're leaving that many voicemails a day, do you really need to say who you are <laughs> every time? Just a reminder. Just a reminder. Mom, I know your voice. <laughs> like, you you leave so many messages. <laughs> Give me a break. Um, definitely highlight for me is all the characters. Christopher Walken and Michelle Pfeiffer get notable mention just because of what I feel like the amazing work they put into it. They all did work, obviously. And it's like, oh, how are you going to say that Christopher Walken did amazing work and not Danny DeVito? I'm like, he did, but... The penguin's hard to compare anything to, really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a very interesting, complex, difficult character, and yeah. I don't know very many people that could do it the way Danny DeVito did. You know, penguin is incredibly disturbing. Yeah, his portrayal of penguin, he is disgusting. The moment yeah. where he's like eating the raw fish, and he, you know, Max takes him down and reveals they want to make him mayor, and he talks yeah. to that chick. And he's got just like all this disgusting stuff coming out of his mouth and he's the sound of it in his mouth. And he goes up to this woman and he's like touching her boob and like, yeah, tell it's like, oh, so it's creepy. Like, oh, so gross. Oh, 
his teeth are black, like his eyes are sunken in and then like gross. Like yeah, what, there's the moment he's like laughing at them because the guy's like being shitty. He's like, oh, you don't have any mirrors or reflective surfaces down there in the sewer, huh? The and he's just like black. laughing. Yeah, he bites his fucking nose and he's got like the black teeth while he's laughing. He's like, oh, God. It's so, so gross. gnarly. Yeah. And then he's like, after that too, he takes Max, takes him aside and he's like, yeah, you gotta, you know, calm down. And she's like checking his nose and all he's doing is talking about, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna grab her and I'm gonna yeah. feel her. And it's like, yeah. show her my French flipper trick. I was like, what the fuck is oh, that? I know, and he like moves his little paw, like fucking, oh. <laughs> oh so God. Weird. Oh, that was so weird. I was like, yep. I, even just last night watching it, I'm just like, oh. <laughs> yeah, you're just like, oh, I can't even imagine. <laughs> and they got him in, you know, Danny DeVito's a bigger guy, but they got him in this whole bodysuit that just makes his body look that much more weird. And just like, what is happening there? <laughs> oh, yeah, I read about it. They said that they wanted to make him, they wanted to give him the appearance of having like extreme scoliosis. I That's mean, smart. clearly. Yeah, that's like, super smart. The penguin costume. Oh, the penguin costume was also designed by the same guy that did Aliens. That makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. That whole uh, makeup team is like, or effects team is pretty fantastic. Yeah, actually, the uh, the effect, the makeup artist, he was nominated for an Academy Award for Batman Returns. He didn't win it, but he was nominated. That's nuts. I didn't know they got nominated. That's pretty cool. Just for makeup, as far as I could tell, it was just for uh, makeup, I think. Mm. I mean, for, like, the big one, obviously. That's that's super cool. I always like hearing about that kind of stuff just because very few movies, I feel like, that were in that genre back then especially would have gotten any kind of nod that way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. More of them do now, but yeah. that's because it's a huge section of our film market, which is kind of yeah. wild, honestly. Yeah, yeah, the Marvel universe or the oh yeah, comic book just comic universe. book. Yeah, comic book movies in general have like dominated for years now. Yeah, yeah, uh. pretty much. In, they pretty much kind of encapsulate all the things, you know. Oh yeah. And if they're done well, they actually have like I mean, Black Panther. The story is so good. It has all the things. Yeah, don't get me wrong. There's like a lot of the movies that I've I've seen probably all of them. Some of them are great. Some of mm -hmm. them have some special moments but overall i'm like yeah we could have done something a little different but i appreciate what everybody's the work everybody's putting into this it's uh it's something else hey i was just reading actually segue little minor i was reading yesterday or no, this morning that brad pitt they're trying to get him to play a villain but he's not interested in being part of uh um what's it called were they uh, yeah the, the the marvel the mcu yeah. or any of yeah, that yeah he doesn't want to be signed on a contract that goes for a long time that would be. I, think, I would like to see him play a villain, even if it's not in the Marvel world or comic book. Just to see him play a crazy person again would be great. He hasn't done something in that vein in such a long time. Like I would love to see that. Um, I just watched California for like. Oh God, that's so good. Oh, that's such a oh. good one. Underrated. Oh he's God. he's just so terrifying honestly he's very he's just terrifying in that movie spot on crazy hillbilly oh yeah 100 percent. people got a lot of feelings on brad pitt i like him i think he's really good uh i just think he needs to get more a lot more character parts than people want to give him basically yeah and he might have just been got you know i think sometimes you get to a point because he has like so many kids 
you probably get to a point where it's like, this character is going to really um, like affect my life. Yeah. And we, as we know, he has like kind of a drinking thing. So I would imagine maybe that was him taking kind of the fatherly approach. Like, I don't want to involve my kids in my crazy. I think that's probably fair. That's probably fair. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say that. That's my benefit of the doubt. I like that. I like that. That was our, uh, our nice little brief segue talking about Brad Pitt. We'll, uh, we'll probably talk about Brad Pitt in other podcasts as well. I, 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 I picture that coming up. <laughs> so that's going to be the name of your podcast. <laughs> It's this is the movie pod featuring Brad Pitt. Featuring Brad Pitt. <laughs> Every episode there'll be five minutes devoted to Brad Pitt. <laughs> Maybe awesome. you'll hear about it. <laughs> That's really awesome. I'm definitely a big fan. I love Brad Pitt. I, I like to say because I firmly believe it's true that he is a character actor in a leading man's body. And uh he needs to 100%. get so much more of those roles because yes. every time he gets one, they're fucking gold. I completely agree, dude. And I'm, tell, I'm like, you know, people, it's like they, because he's so attractive, they don't want to give him that. But the truth of the matter is this dude's a character actor. He has the most fun playing those. And you can tell, like, yes. a lot of people hated Burn After Reading, but he is so damn funny in that movie. He's such a wacky idiot and he plays it perfect. Like, uh, everything he does is great. I didn't know. That's the list of oh my homework. Oh, my God. Like, uh, Burn After Reading is a co it's Coen Brothers. It's got George Clooney, Tilda Swinton, John Malkovich, uh, Brad Pitt, and, like, a lot of people, honestly. J.K. Simmons is in it. Oh, is this the one with, um, oh, no, I was thinking of Magnolia. Okay, no, I don't know what that one is. I haven't seen it. I mean, I've heard of it. I don't know it. Uh, yeah, very wacky. It's really, it's a whole, the whole movie is one long misunderstanding. It's like uh, a former CIA agent thinks his files got stolen. That's the whole premise. <laughs> and it's just like oh. all the shit that happens because of it is like all these people's lives get all fucked up because he, they're all making really stupid decisions. I love that. I love that the kind of basic, simple premise and you just build off of it. I think that's yep. amazing. I love that. She oh Frances McDormand because she's like in most of the Coen Brothers movies and she's of of course great so she's yeah. a queen man she yeah. is a hundred percent she is like a godmother she's the godmother right now she's our godmother she's so good the actress godmother or should I, I say I, the female actor godmother I like it I like it Frances McDormand uh, if you eventually hear this we love you love you're you amazing love you <laughs> uh, all right. Segwaying back to Batman Returns, uh, set pieces, all of Gotham, frankly, all of Gotham. It's, it's too good. Like yeah. every, all the detail that goes into those, set, those sets is hands down some of like our, in my opinion, best set film work in years. Oh yeah. Like they just don't put as much time and effort into those huge sets anymore. Not if they yeah, can do it on green screen. That. It was almost 50% of um, Warner Brothers lot. They took yeah. over almost the whole entire lot of Warner Brothers. He wanted all of it to be studio shooting, look, all built studios. And you can see that. And it's amazing. Exactly. You control everything. The, you have control over every street going in a certain direction for like a huge amount of space. The entire lot's gigantic. Mm -hmm. So having that built is super cool. Mm -hmm. I remember uh, as a kid for a very short amount of time down by the Queen Mary, they had the the dome down there in Long Beach. I don't know if you've ever been down there, but they built 
basically like Gotham city inside this dome one year. And uh, they had like snow going and everything. So you could like <gasps> walk around inside Gotham city. It was super cool. Super oh. cool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That sounds amazing. That was like, I, I think I was probably 10 or 11 when that oh. happened. So yeah. Of wild. Growing up in Southern California. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's, that's true. Awesome. <laughs> oh yeah. And then uh, the Batmobiles actually there's uh, the Batmobile. I think is a classic design from the, the first Batman movie, the one that they came out with. People I know didn't know what to think of it at first, but I, I loved it as a kid. I thought it was so cool. Yeah. Um, I got to sit in that Batmobile. It was awesome. Oh, how did so that good. feel? It makes you feel like you're, uh, you know, you're like 10 feet tall, basically. <laughs> you're just like sitting in there, you're like, yes. I wow. want to press all the buttons and drive oh. super fast. That is so cool. Wow, that would be awesome. I would I would very much enjoy that as well. Yeah. I kind of hope they do like, you know, at some point when when it's a little bit safer out there, we can uh, get out and do something Batman related or some kind of event like that. Because I feel like that would be so much fun. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Let's put that out into the universe right now. Let's just like, let, let it happen. We want Give it. us we a want huge it. Batman event. We want it. We want a Batman event. Full sets, the Batmobiles, all of it. All the things. All the things. All the, and, 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 you know, Michael Keaton could just happen to show up. Since he is everybody's oh favorite God. Batman. I mean, he's okay. hands down. Have you heard? All right. So the DC movies, good or bad, they're doing like a timeline after the Justice League where they're going to be doing a Crisis on Infinite Earths, it sounds like, which means they've already talked to Michael Keaton about uh, being... <gasps> Batman again, <gasps> parallel universe to be his Batman to show up in the movie. <gasps> what? He supposedly, must. supposedly they had shot a scene where he's in costume talking to the Flash already. We'll see. <gasps> oh, I don't know. Still my heart. Oh my God. I even, yeah. so, you know, he's coming out in the new Beetlejuice too. Yeah. yeah. Or the, the I heard about that. Thing. I could not believe that was happening. Dude, Scott, our childhood is being relived. It is like, how exciting is this? Yep. Oh my God. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, it's like, you know, some people are like, oh, do we really need this? I'm like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I want to yeah. see it. Yeah. Uh, if, you, if they want to keep remaking everything from the 80s and the 90s, because clearly that seems to be something they're not going to stop doing anytime soon. Yeah. Then yeah. bring back the stuff that really is special to us, like Batman and Beetlejuice. I would love to see like Michael Keaton come back as his Batman character one more time. That would be I mean, sick. The, I feel like, again, like, I, I think it's almost like hands down, everybody says the best Batman is Michael Keaton. It, he stands out. He's the only one. I mean, I, I love Christian Bale too. Don't get me wrong. I do. But I think it's for those of us that grew up with Batman in the 90s, it's very special. Michael Keaton, even though Christian Bale did a great job, of course, uh, Michael Keaton is special to us. And yeah, he was our first Batman, really. He was a big one. I loved the first four that came out, even though there's a lot to say about those last two, honestly. Uh, that's that's yeah. a whole other podcast. For sure, um, I agree. But I like, honestly, like, I like Batman forever. I loved I it as a kid. Care. I loved it as yeah, a kid. As, like, an colorful. adult, I like it a little less. Agreed. But, Agreed. uh... Like I did the whole thing. I was like, I went as Two Face for for Halloween. Painted up the face, had the coin, the whole bit. Mm -hmm. Jim Carrey is like ridiculous, but it it, it is a lot of fun. 
It is so much fun. And I like, it was, I mean, it was like epic, monumental. Every shot in that movie is like, everything is monolithic. Everything is huge. I mean, it's just like, it's just, it's just, it's a big movie. And everything yeah. that they do in the movie is big. I go back and forth on it like all the time where I'm mm -hmm. like, yeah, I, cause there's parts of that movie I love and there's parts that I, mm -hmm. I don't. Mm -hmm. Thinking about it, you just go, okay, I see what he was doing. He was mm -hmm. making like, taking Burton's world and smashing it together with like the colorful camp of like the sixties and trying to hybridize it and make it its own new thing for the nineties. I was like, I, I could have done with less of the color, frankly, everything else was, was all right though. Yeah. I That's, think that there was like, I, it, it seems almost too with the last few that there was a bit, there was a lack of structure that may have been yeah. needed. I, I, and I think specifically about uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, I was just talking to someone about this the other day as mm. Mr. Freeze. Um, I feel that there must have been some kind of thing in his contract that demanded his screen presence because I felt like he spoke way too much. He was seen too much. Like there were moments like if he had just done one quick line and been done with it, but yeah. for him to kind of try to do this like monologues or dialogues, these little quips, they just never worked. They never landed. He's not good at it. I'll, uh, I'll have to, I'm going to look into that. I feel like I read something about something, some aspect of the production that involved him and was like a pain in the ass to deal with. But I also remember reading something about Uma Thurman and, uh, and I feel like Val Kilmer and George Clooney, like individually, each of them all had different shit in those movies. That was like <laughs> a nightmare to deal with behind the scenes. Uh, uh, apparently... Val Kilmer, Val Kilmer's got this reputation, unfortunately, but yeah. I guess like he's just like an asshole to work with yeah. and he was a dick to Schumacher the entire time. Yeah. So that sucks. That's unfortunate. Yeah, yeah I agree. <laughs> and it seems that, uh, I don't know, I, I, it's, it's interesting because I really do think that behavior, the behavior of actors has changed over time. Yeah. And there was definitely, during that 80s, 90s kind of time frame, everybody was just such a big star. They were so, I don't know, it must have just been so much so fast, but there was kind of a reputation of actors just being really, like, uh, arrogant. There's so much arrogance and um, demand for million, money. I think that was it, too. It was that, that realization. The studios were just making so much money. Yeah. And the actors started getting to that where they were like, oh, you know what, fuck that, dude. You're not gonna like make all this money off my back and not give me more. And yeah. honestly, like both of us, anybody that's worked on a, a bigger film has ex like, a, and I mean like, you know, like a big budget one has experienced what happens. Like when you have the director trying to do one thing and the producers involving themselves in another way and it's just a big mess. Yeah. Everybody just, just seems to end up just fighting with each other constantly. A bunch of different personalities clashing over what they yeah. think is best for the for the picture. People with the money who have no creativity whatsoever coming oh in and God. telling the director and the actors how to be and then take, yep. it's just, I worked on Oz the Great and Powerful. It was one of the early things I did in Detroit before oh, I moved nice. here. And it was awful. I love Sam Raimi. He's one of my favorite filmmakers of all time. And watching him was amazing. And then the studio execs, the Disney execs came on set and it was just it was Hell. like after that, it was like you saw part of his soul just like retreat. That sucks. Yeah, that's shitty. That's it's, really shitty. Yeah. He was drinking like Sam a fifth of Maker's too. Mark every day. Oof, damn. That's, that's, yeah. a rough, that's a rough time on set. That's a rough someone, time on set. Yeah, someone I know was involved in like the, that part of it. And they were saying, there was like an, a bottle of Maker's Mark every oh, day. Wow. I don't know if he personally drank the whole thing, but there was a bottle brought every day. 
Well, you know, I, yeah, I guess, I guess you got to do what you got to do sometimes. But uh, that sounds terrible. It was heartbreaking. Sam that Raimi is amazing. Terrible. He's a visionary. A couple. One of the movies on our list is uh, that I'll, I'll get to talk about soon is going to be Evil Dead and uh, Evil Dead Two and uh, of Army course. of Darkness. Gonna do all three of them. Uh, of course. Yeah, I got Batman. Batman and Robin actually is one that's coming up for recording too. So I will get to talk about that soon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nobody's picked Batman Forever yet, so I feel like I'm gonna have to talk about all the Batman movies at some point. Hey, at if you point. can't find anybody, I'd be happy to. I would be. Okay. I mean, more than happy to. But fair yeah, enough. I'll, I will put Sam you down there then. Yes, I do it. I have no problem with it. Anything. Yeah, Sam Raimi's a hometown hero. He's from Detroit. Well, he's from, yeah, he's. You know, he's from Detroit, he's from Royal Oak. So he's a hometown hero. Love that guy. I'm uh, excited at the prospect. This is like, we're, we're off topic, but I don't care. It's fine. Uh, the, um, the other thing they're doing, Marvel and DC both have their multiple universe storylines and all this. Uh, but mm. we got Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which was great. Mm -hmm. I loved it. Now, for the Marvel movies, they might be bringing Miles Morales in by doing one of the universe timelines that they have for the Marvel comics, which means there's a possibility we get a movie with all of the Spider-Men. Wow. So Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and uh, Tom Holland, and then uh, Miles Morales. Yeah, the, not to segue too far away, but that Spider-Man situation is very interesting. How many yeah. Spider-Man actors there's been in such a short amount of time, in like really when you think about it. <laughs> like, because they keep making the films, like the franchise yep. is really big and popular, but they keep changing the actors and it's very interesting. Yep. I mean, I guess because like Spider-Man is just going to be perpetu perpetually 18 or however old he is. But, oh, I wanted to tell you really quick, uh, linking uh, Evil Dead really quick. Yeah. Uh, in, in Oz the Great and Powerful, uh, actually, all of the actors from The Evil Dead are in Oz the Great and Powerful. Oh, shit. He brought That's on, because cool. he filmed it in Detroit. Yeah. He brought on all the Evil Dead actors, his teachers from school, <laughs> the teachers that inspired him. So Bruce Campbell is one of the henchmen for the witch. Um, the That's Green right. Man. That's right. He's one of them. I actually got, when I was working on his background, you know, and the nice. woman I stood next to was Teresa and Teresa was uh, like the crying girlfriend. Okay. Um, the, uh, what's her name? Betsy, the one that gets locked in the cabin. Yeah. One that goes crazy, the one that's raped by the branch. She plays, um, she has actually the bigger role uh, of the girls, but she plays the teacher or like the like nanny teacher of oh. uh, uh, Glenda's, somebody in, so, oh, oh, some little kids in, um, in the world that Glenda lives in. She's like the little matron lady. Oh, so okay. She, she actually also was supposed to have a whole like, story, uh, storyline of her actually being um, uh, working for the witch, like on the inside. Hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that you don't really get to see that because they, I'm sure, cut that out. But yeah, everyone from The Evil Dead is in that film. I'm gonna have to rewatch that now and like look for all of them. Yeah, there's a lot of little nuggets in there. That's cool. That's really yeah. cool. I love that kind of stuff. Like directors bringing back people they've worked with multiple times, even if it's mm -hmm. not as a main feature. You know, mm -hmm. super fun. Yeah. It's like um, yeah. 
I'm a big fan of Ryan Johnson and his movies. And uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt was in his first big movie, Brick. So he pops up in most of his other movies at some point, even if it's like for a fraction of a second. I love Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I love him. That's so cool. All right. Segwaying back to Batman Returns. Segway. <laughs> uh, so we've talked about all the big stuff so far with the movie. We're, we're, we're at the end here. So it's like uh, closing thoughts on the movie, anything we haven't talked about related to it, or uh, anything we want to mention that hasn't come up. You, if you got anything you go, I'm thinking. Closing thoughts for me are just like, the, having rewatched it, it definitely cements itself as like a classic staple of cinema for me. It's just something mm-hmm. that like I was in love with growing up. I love the Batman universe and the movies and like mm-hmm. all of that. So for me, my closing thoughts are just like, this is a movie that brings all the fun and all the imagination of the first Batman movie and uh, just ramps it up. It ramps it up another extra notch and it just is a fun, fun watch. I recommend if you somehow haven't seen Batman Returns, watch it. One hundred percent. Watch it. Yes, I have. I know. I wrote this down as a note last night. That's right. I wanted to share this because this is something. One more little thing I thought was really interesting that yeah, I kind of forgot it. actually. Um, this is about Penguin. So Penguin is actually this is what he's doing that I forget about. So he's running for mayor, obviously. Then he yep. says he's going to yeah. be killing all the firstborn children of Gotham's elite citizens and framing Batman for it. Yep. But then there's also the big lie of the, uh, where he even comes from, right? Because he says his family is this rich family. But then there's that connection to the freak show. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's important, or not important, but things to, I want to leave people with is aside from it being a Christmas movie, um, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, really cool threads worked through this film that uh, we may not remember because uh, so many other things stand out in such large ways. But um, the writing was really awesome. And I think kudos to Daniel Waters for his writing and it was great. 100%. It's really well done. It's really well Mm -hmm. done all around. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, Batman Returns. Batman Returns. If you haven't watched it, make sure you do. Uh, The world's a bitch and now so am I. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) That moves us on to uh, the getting to know you part of the show. The big questions, as I call them. Big questions. Question number one. What is the first movie you ever saw? Whether it was in the theaters, at home, or in a drive-in, if you can remember. I'm going to assume it was The Wizard of Oz. Uh, I don't remember. But I'm going to assume because it's definitely the most beloved movie of my life. I know it word for word. I memorized it when I was probably six or seven years old. Oh, yeah. Um, interestingly enough, I memorized it because I was so excited to watch it all the time, obviously. And I noticed I started remembering lines from it. So when me and my cousin would go outside to play, we would play Wizard of Oz. And I remember saying a line that was from the movie and feeling like, ooh, I feel yeah. so connected. And I memorized the whole movie. So that way I could go outside and I would, whichever role I was playing, Dorothy or Glenda, because that was the only ones I would play, I knew all the lines. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. All right. Wizard of Oz. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. What are your top three movies and why? They don't have to be the same movies that we uh, we picked to talk about. Right. Wizard of Oz, clearly. Um, 
True Romance is pretty special to me for so many reasons. Uh, it takes place in Detroit, so there's that. It has an amazing love story. It's got a fierce female uh, lead. I love her. Um, and then let's see, that's one, two, that's, that's very hard, by the way. One that I, oh, one that I didn't put on the list. Um, I did put it on the list, then I took it off, which is A Clockwork Orange. Oh, because the okay. first time I saw that film, I was 18. And um, it was like a moment where I felt like someone else in the world has the same similar humor as I do. <laughs> There you go. All right. I was about to say, like, that's that's an intense sort of like first watch when you're 18. I feel like it's a, it's an intense first watch anytime. But 18 is like that period where you're you're figuring shit out, and uh, especially if you like you're already into film stuff, which I know I was. I remember seeing it going like, "Whoa, <laughs> this movie's crazy." It was oh, crazy. Man. I mean, but aside it's... from the rape scene, I hate that part, of course. But yeah, yeah the vision of it there's just the, the yeah. way it's executed i mean it's yeah. kubrick yeah you know he's uh, he's weird and kind of insane like that very exacting yeah. in what he does yep even if he drives Amazing. people crazy and i think one little like uh an anecdote is that i was so i did a film three years ago now it was just a small part but one of the main actors was um malcolm mcdowell Ooh. And that was very, very exciting for me. That's super fun. That's yeah. super fun. Yeah. Oh, speaking of Malcolm McDowell, uh, show on Amazon, Truth Seekers. Very silly. Simon Pegg, Nick Frost. It's about like paranormal stuff. Uh, but Malcolm McDowell plays Nick Frost's dad. And he's in the whole show. And he's like a slightly sectionarian. He's uh, very silly. He's... <laughs> Like Malcolm McDowell doing Malcolm McDowell to like the umph degree and his like, oh, he's this old man in his house that's mostly just wearing a bathrobe and like tidy whites. <laughs> it's like, this is ridiculous. Oh. Yeah, I just saw a little like uh, preview of that last night. So I, and I saw him in that, in like the little trailer preview and I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm watching this one. They've got like, um, when you eventually get to it, you'll know it when you see it, but they have a pretty... It's not even that subtle, but it's like an homage to Clockwork Orange. And the minute it happens, you're like, oh, that's fun. <laughs> that's interesting. Okay. So, uh, yeah, that'll, that, you should check that out at some point. Oh, <laughs> My list uh, is growing. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's good. Hey, <laughs> I more, love more. that. What movies are you looking forward to that aren't out yet? I know that's a little bit difficult to do, current state of things. In asking this question, which I've said this to everybody, is like, uh, I'm hoping to find out movies that I haven't heard about, basically. So, so far, I've heard some, some movies that are coming out that I weren't aware were coming out from people, so that's cool. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, you know what? I just was watching, um, I, like, now and then I like to watch, you know, upcoming trailers for movies. And I cannot remember right now off the top of my head what I'm looking forward to. I'll think about that. But I do know 100% I am very excited about this new Beetlejuice coming out. Uh, okay, so obviously I'm a Tim Burton fan obviously yeah. now here's my thing with tim burton is that while i love what he's done with the alice in wonderland that was cool too. i loved it but the thing about tim burton that where some of he's lost some of his fan base in a way i don't think he ever loses us because we always still love frank and weenie we always still love edward yeah. is that because he was so original and it wasn't just like 
just the visuals. It was also just the stories he likes to tell it and, and the way he likes to tell it, right? Like Edward Scissorhands is a love story. Yeah. It's a story about misfits. That's what makes it amazing. It just so happens this guy's heart's made out of a cookie and his hands are scissors. <laughs> mm -hmm. But it's so weird. And I miss that about him. And Beetlejuice is definitely one of those things. I mean, of course, it's like a sequel, I guess, but it's his yeah. universe, like the, the, the Burton universe. I'm It'll really be interesting to see that. what he does with it, you know? Because yeah. I wonder, are we getting a contemporary version of this universe? Is it going to be modern day? Or are we doing like a period <gasps> piece? I'm excited. I'm just I'm very, very curious. Yeah. I'm very excited. You're right. That's interesting. I don't know, but I'm ready for it. I know. All right. So Beetlejuice, we got that. Any personal recommendations that we haven't mentioned already? I, ooh, let's see. You know, goodness. I mean, it might, it's not a film, but The Queen's Gambit's pretty amazing. Ooh, that does look I'm good. Still, I haven't watched I'm, it yet. It looks really uh, good. I'm still finishing it. It's pretty awesome. Uh, I really like the way they're telling that story. Um, I'm like, I'm so bad about being on the spot about something that's coming new. Darn it. Oh, it doesn't even have uh, to be new. Or it just something needs I to watched, be a personal recommendation. I, yeah, something I, you like that you think people should watch. Uh, uh. I'm thinking, I'm trying, I'm trying really hard. Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, <laughs> brain freeze, brain freeze. Uh, brain freeze, meltdown. Me, me, I'm going crazy. I don't know. Uh, well, how about, just because I know it's one of the three that you wanted to talk about, well, I think we picked four. Natural Born Killers? Natural Born Killers, every, yeah. That's another one that has, like, when we talk about films that have a, uh, characters and storylines we completely forget about. A yeah, lot of people yeah. forget about the whole Robert Downey Jr. influence and him like busting them out of jail, <laughs> yeah. like, traveling with them, and that how kind of how that film ends. And I think uh, there's a lot going on in that film, of course, but th that's worth watching again just to get just to, the whole prison sequence is really like I mean the movie is really long. It's a really long movie. Yeah, yeah. But the prison it's... sequence kind of stands alone it's kind of its own little like part in like you could watch just the freeze prison sequence and it's like an hour but... it's really good um, yeah, it's really i haven't good. seen it in a while but i'm excited to talk about it just because i i know some interesting trivia from it from some Ooh. like woody harrelson uh like oh. interviews and like memoirs that i've heard or like other podcasts that he's appeared on where he's talked yeah. about it so uh -huh. some really wild shit that happened when they were shooting that movie very interesting i'm excited to talk about oh. it oh can we can yeah. we get a little a little preview? Can you give us a little like hint? Yeah, hint? yeah, sure. So there's a he was talking about the shootout scene at the end where they're like running by the glass and all the windows are like shattering and everything like that. And he goes, mm -hmm. "Yeah, so you know, he walked up and uh, he's about to roll action and he just walked up to me and all he said was, "So uh, all these glasses windows have to be blown out and uh, destroyed in this take and it's going to take a long time to reset it." So don't fuck up. <laughs> he just walks away. It's like, oh <laughs> shit. Okay, that's one way to handle it, I guess. No pressure. Whatsoever. No pressure. Yeah, just don't <laughs> fuck up. It's like, all right, thanks, dude. <laughs> thanks for that directorial note. <laughs> so there's like other stuff like that too that's interesting and um, like his personal life that makes that movie kind of wild. Uh, I guess Woody Harrelson's dad was a, a killer. Yes. Actual, yeah. I remember that was something I learned a long time ago. It's always yeah. stuck with me because Oliver Stone is like, I watched him on Cheers 
and he was very funny, but I always, like I met Woody Harrelson and there was something about him that I just <clears> felt like there was something in there that I didn't know about. And then he said, uh, that's when I got to know about his dad and being in prison. <laughs> I was like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. You hear some of the stories that he tells and it's like, woof. All right, that's, that's a harrowing experience and a lot of shit to deal with, sounds like. Uh, but, uh, sounds yeah, like you well, took some pretty great inspiration for some of the things you've done in your life though. Definitely, definitely yeah. pulled. Oh, I was just, I just realized what I want to share for the movies to watch. Maybe not movies to watch, I'll see it, but I want to say my favorite zombie movie is Return of the Living Dead. My Ooh. favorite horror film is Hellraiser. Hell yeah. Everybody well, watch them. Okay. If you haven't see, seen them in a while, don't watch Hellraiser before bed. I did that one time and made a big mistake. I cannot Return of the Living you'll Dead. Have pleasant dreams. I cannot guarantee you won't pee in your bed. Hellraiser is like a classic, and Return of the Living Dead is so near and dear to my heart. Oh, so uh, near and dear. So good. There's going to be, at some point, where we, I've talked about it with some of uh, my, my guests here, that we're going to do like a series of pods where it'll be like four in a row that are just zombie movies, or like four in a row that are just like uh, surreal, sort of. So we, we definitely want to do like a zombie movie pod and i would have like a few people on it because there's a oh. bunch of people i know who love zombie movies who worked with us on like our zombie web series we have to talk about all these different movies we just have to they're too yes. good and return of the living dead is right near the top of the list if not yes. you know so that's going to be one that we are definitely going to do um i'll let you know when that is because i it's going to be like four or five people. We're all going to be talking about it. Oh, absolutely. Actually, shameless plug here. Uh, shameless plug. I have been voicing an animated character in a cartoon called Zombies Whatever. Zombies Whatever. And actually, oh. not shameless plug. Perfect oh, segue. Yes. What pluggables or projects or anything coming up do you have that you want to share? You know, um, there's just this little animated series a friend of mine started called Zombies Whatever. And we're actually working on a, a Christmas episode. So we're oh, going to be yeah. recording that this week. So I'm very, very, very excited about that. And my character, she's real, she's real vibrant. You know, uh, she's a hatchet-wielding former country singer turned aspiring actress. Love and, it. Uh, she's a lot of fun. <laughs> that sounds like fun. I got to check that out. I've seen, I think I saw like the, the clips that you've posted so far. I haven't div uh, dived into the episodes. So I'm probably going to have yeah. to do that as soon as we get out of here. Oh, yeah. Zombies. They're just about you know? five minutes real quick. They're on YouTube. Um, zombies, whatever. Also, I have a feature coming out uh, called Cash Collectors. Nice. Um, that's an interesting one. That's starring Michael Madsen, which is pretty cool. Oh, and, my um, God. I news, yeah. <laughs> I play a news reporter named Aaron Sawyer. So. That's so fun. Yep. Okay. When, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have to talk uh, may maybe outside of the pod about Michael Madsen a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I have so many <laughs> weird connections to Michael Madsen. Like, I'm yeah. not even kidding. So, like, let, let's let it go. Let's go. <laughs> right. <laughs> add, it to, add it to the basket, man. I swear yeah. to God, I've got this weird basket of connections to Michael Madsen. All right. So, we got Zombies Whatever. We've got Cash mm -hmm. Collectors coming out. Mm -hmm. Is uh, Zombies mm -hmm. Whatever have, like, an Instagram or... Uh, pages no there's no instagram for it specifically yet just the youtube and then uh let me think he's mostly been like an active pitch to adult swim as well so he's been okay. actively working on that that's awesome um, but yeah but youtube is the way to watch it and then also this is a, a show a show i produced a web series that's on amazon prime 
called Keeping It 100, the series. I've seen that uh, series. It's wacky yeah. as hell. <laughs> it's wacky and wild. I play Carla. She's a, a drug-addled, vice-loving, aspiring musician that lives with a couple other crazy girls. But I produced it, and it's an all-female production team, female director, female hell director yeah. of photography, female writer, female gaffer, one of my favorite Woo! things, and female first AD. So you hear that, people? Go check it out. Mm -hmm. It's it's fun, mm -hmm. and they're they're very digestible as in terms of like watchability. They're mm -hmm. they're short, they're sweet, they're to the point, they're fun, and it kind of turns like the whole reality series uh, style on its head. It's it's kind of like the Real Housewives thing, but not quite. It's super it's super fun. It's so yeah. silly. It has the uh, very deliberate soap opera element to it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I, what I loved about it, and I. I I feel like I said this, and if I didn't, it's just taking the soap opera thing to the most ridiculous degree, especially mm. in our like current times. You could still yeah. watch soap operas now that are like modern, and you go, it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like it. You know, it it feels yeah. like you guys have stepped out of the '80s still. <laughs> you guys have iPhones, and you're talking about messages, but it still feels like you stepped out of the '80s. Love it's, that. It's very silly. Uh, all right, well. With that, that brings us toward the end here. We'll wrap things up, close things down. Uh, thank you for coming on and talking to me about Batman Returns. This has been Katie Oliver, writer, actress, director, and uh, she's got Zombies Whatever on YouTube. You can check that out. Cash Collectors coming soon and Keeping It 100 on Amazon Prime. Check okay. it out. Check it out. Uh, thank yeah. you. Of course, thank you. All right, that's been Scott's Movie Pod until I think of a better name, which I might never do. Thanks for stopping by. All right, thank you very much for stopping by and listening to Scott's Movie Pod until I think of a better name, which I may never do. Special thanks to my guests for coming on the show and all of you for listening. Original podcast music by Weston Lee Ball. You can find them at lava underscore submersible on Instagram and Weston Lee Ball on Facebook. And if you like the podcast, do me a favor and just rate and review. Let me know what you think. Leave a comment and uh, maybe I'll read it during the show. Thanks again and I'll catch you next time.